Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Travelling for work sounds great, but if you're part of the Defence Force, you're not exactly going to be landing at the world's tourism hotspots. Long after the conflicts New Zealand's been involved in have left the headlines, we'll still have people stationed in war zones. Today, where in the world is New Zealand's Defence Force? Is it scary being there? Um, yeah, well, it's more scary than being in Palmerston North. <laughs> right now, there are about 250 Defence Force personnel deployed overseas. At any one time, that number can double. There are 45 personnel at Camp Taji, Iraq. In Florida, there's a sole officer working on diplomatic duties. There are nearly 30 Kiwis working on the Egyptian coastline, and over the summer we send a couple of hundred to help out on the Antarctic ice. How many different countries is the Defence Force in? Many. Would you like me to list them? That's Rear Admiral Jim Gilmore, the Commander Joint Forces New Zealand. If we think about um, New Zealand's interests being satisfied overseas, they come in um, many forms, whether it's a, uh, a, a large commitment in support of defeat um, ISIS or defeat Daesh in Iraq. New Zealand troops went to Iraq in 2015. Since then, they've trained around 44,000 local security forces. The support elements that are wrapped around that effort, um, whether they are located in Qatar, we have people there, or if they're located at our um, logistics hub in Dubai, um, they could be there, or whether it's about security and the maritime domain in the Middle East through our people who are in Bahrain, or it's, if it's uh, in support of UN missions, we have people in um, South Sudan. Uh, the Defence Force has had people Israel. helping the UN in Israel and Lebanon since the 50s. We're in the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt as part of a 13-country peacekeeping effort, and we'll head there soon. There's a few still scattered in Afghanistan, and we're on the Korean Peninsula, monitoring the demilitarised zone between north and south. And, and, and you think, well, you must be finishing at some point, but um, I would also say that at this time during the Austral season, we're involved down in Antarctica as part of uh, New Zealand's commitment down there in support of our base at Scott. How long are people normally sent overseas for? Well, it depends on the mission. Typically, uh, the, the missions in, in Iraq or in, um, in Israel are six-month missions. Um, so from the time you leave New Zealand, besides getting probably a break in the middle, you'll be away from your family and loved ones for about six months. And, and who makes the call as to who goes where? Uh, before we start... Uh, thinking about who goes where, of course, there's going to be a need to understand what the skill sets are required, um, and, um, and and that that's a fairly um, fairly straightforward process. Of who's trained for the right mission, and um, and at what um, uh, what what level of currency are they at? Are they well supported and ready to go? But when it comes to the mission itself, there are some that have been quite long long standing. So you know, our support to uh, the truce. Uh, support organisation for the UN in Israel. That's been going for quite some time. What we basically do here is either patrol, we observe and uh, report anything that could lead to a violation and upset the peace between the surrounding countries. And likewise, uh, MFO on the Sinai Peninsula, we've been there since 1982. So um, they're fairly well established um, uh, missions 
When it comes to new initiatives uh, for the deployment of the New Zealand Defence Force on named missions, could come one or two ways that I'll list anyway today. One, one um, directly from Cabinet or from Government decides that uh, they would wish for the Defence Force to be involved um, in a certain mission. So we'll get directed to, to design what kind of support we could provide, um, work up um, options. It'll uh, then get approved um, and we will deploy. Alternatively, one of our outputs to Government is advice. At our uh, headquarters at Joint Forces New Zealand, we have a group that looks at future planning. And what we'll do is we'll work up a series of can we options. That's basically can the Defence Force do a certain range of things. Once they're available, they'll come into the city and Ministry of Defence and Defence Force Strategic Commitments Group, they'll work up the should we. So that's advice to government about, well, we can do these things. Should we or should we not? And obviously the will we decision will be um, for Cabinet, for Government. And then ultimately, once it's designed, the requirements around that uh, mission will be established uh, and we prepare our forces uh, and integrate them and then deploy them. Uh, my name is Lieutenant Colonel Tim Woodman. I am the Senior National Officer and the Chief Plans Officer for the Military Force of Observers and we are based in Shamoshek in the Sinai when did you uh, get there? Um, I arrived on the 2nd of May, and um, I'll be here till May next year. I am the um, Senior National Officer of a small um, Kiwi detachment. Um, we have um, 31 personnel here at the moment, and we um, do a variety of jobs in the um, Military Forces Observers. Anything um, from my team, which is the Plans Office, we also have the actual new command of the um, organization is taking over on Sunday. That's a Kiwi commander. It's going to be Major General um, Williams. And he's going to be the third Kiwi who's commanded um, the whole of the MFO since its conception in 1982. Today's parade saw the transition of command of the multinational force and observers Sinai from Major General Simon Stewart to Major General Evan Williams. I thank Egypt and Israel for endorsing me and having the faith and trust in me to be the commander of the MFO and of course I am indeed privileged that New Zealand nominated me. And day to day what sort of things are you doing? Okay so my, my team um, is split up into a training team so they are responsible for ensuring that the training of the whole of the military force to observers is um, current and up to date. This can be anything from practicing our shooting skills to reacting to situations. Um, that team is broken into two parts. One is uh, military skills, and the second, which is very important over here, is um, driving instructions, um, because the roads aren't quite like they are in New Zealand. Besides that, we also have a small detachment which, which works in an organization called the Force Engineers Office, and they're responsible for the day-to-day -day, um, running of the campus we have over here, um, new designs, rebuilds, and looking after the maintenance of the force, which is split between a, a um, north camp, which is um, about two hours flight north of here, and south camp where I am at the moment. And in between that, there's um, six remote sites uh, where there are troops at all time who are carrying out the observer part of the mission. At the south camp, what's it like? The actual living situation of where you are, how would you um, describe it? Compared to other operations, it's comfortable, it's functional. 
um, but it's um, nearing the end of its life. So one of the plans that I'm actually working on at the moment with the Force Engineers Office is a five-year rebuild plan. But it has everything you want here. Um, we're right on the seafront. Um, we have our own private beach, which you don't get on many operations. We have a very large um, shop that kind of um, fulfills the needs of um, our troops and the other um, 800 people who are living here. We have a very good um, dining facility. Um, and of course, for the Kiwis, we have a very good gym, both outdoor and indoor. The other 800, are they locals or other foreigners? No, no, we are part of, there are 13 different um, countries um, who provide troops for this mission. America having the biggest um, number of approximately uh, 450. Um, we have our friends from Australia with us, Canadians, Colombians, Czech, Czech Republic, um, our friends from Fiji that has um, about 170 people, France, Italy, um, Norway, UK, and Uruguay. And the newest members we've got, we've had two recent additions of two officers from Japan. Do you encounter many locals? Yes. Um, and what's in order to make like this organization work, we actually have um, 500 local civilians. Um, we are also, um, as soon as we go out the front gate, you are immersed in the um, local population. And quite a few of the um, civilians we work with every day, like they work in the kitchens, they got things like electricians, some of the builders. So we do quite a lot of interaction with them every day. And broadly speaking, how's the attitude of them towards your presence there? It's actually very interesting because um, the New Zealanders have been here since um, the 25th of April 1982. So they act the first deployment was actually on Anzac Day of the first 30-odd um, Kiwis who came out here. Um, and because we've been here all the time, um, it's quite um, often you're greeted by one of the locals with, Kiora, mate, how are you today? Really? Yeah. Oh, that must make you feel like home. Um, yeah, it's um, a bit hotter than home, but um, yes. Do you enjoy living there or being stationed there? Um, this is um, uh, an interesting deployment because we're actually fulfilling um, a mission because the um, MFO... Um, came out of the Cape David Accords, Camp David Accords in um, 1978, and it all came about to stop the series of wars that had happened between Israel and Egypt. And since the formation of the MFO, although there's been um, uh, times when they haven't um, been um, best friends, um, the organisation has stopped any further wars. And because you know that, you actually know you're doing a good mission. The Kiwis are part of that mission and that we are keeping the peace out here. You say um, much of your day-to-day -day stuff is kind of split between training and practising your skills and also reacting to situations. How often do things happen that you need to jump on, things that people would think of as, I mean, conflict's probably the wrong word, but dramatic situations that you have to jump on? Okay, so the way that we do, the, the, mission, the main mission is done is there are... Um, 26 um, American civilians who actually carry out the observe and verify and report potential violations to the treaty. And our job is to keep these people um, safe so they're able to do their mission. Now, 
The other complication um, to this mission is in um, North Sinai, there's an insurgency going on against the Egyptian um, government, um, partly by um, splinter groups of IS. Um, we're at Sinai, and they are um, having an ongoing um, uh, fight with the Egyptian armed forces. So if you're stationed up in um, North Camp, um, it is, um, can get quite hairy. Yeah, is it... I can't think of another word, but is, is it scary being there? Um, it, well, it's more scary than being in Palmerston North. My family actually lives in Palmerston North. My wife's actually um, also in the military. Um, she's a major with the 1st Battalion of um, the Royal New Zealand um, Infantry Regiment. I... Um, actually been in the military over 40 years, so I've done quite a few um, deployments. And I think it's more taxing um, for my wife um, than it is for me. In what way? Well, it's just the the um, absence, um, uh, things that um, we usually do as a team at home. Um, she's now having to do all by herself. You know, we've got two teenage sons, which is never easy when they, both parents are there. Um, <laughs> Just, it's just being away from home. And for the sake of contrast, let's leave the Sinai Peninsula for somewhere a little more brisk. Antarctica, where Defence Force staff help out with environmental protection and scientific exploration. It's Scott Base. Major Andrew Thornton, I'm the Senior National Officer for Antarctica New Zealand, um, operating um, for the Defence Force under Oper- Operation Antarctica. And you're back in Christchurch now, but when were you last in Antarctica and how often do you go? Um, I was last in in Antarctica about a week and a half ago. With my role, I travel down there about twice a year during the summer, um, initially during the opening part of the season in late October, and then again down in January to observe the second half of the season. What's it like over there? Um, When you arrive in Antarctica, um, the, the initial response is, fairly unique. Uh, It's a very vast, open, plain um, country or continent. Um, There are no trees. It's it's very white. It's very blue. Uh, And I suppose the vast absence of anything, uh, what we would call as normal green New Zealand, um, does does hit hard. um, And it does make for such a unique experience down on the ice. The New Zealand Defence Force's operation over there, how does it all function? Um, so the New Zealand Defence Force, um, through me, works very closely with the Antarctic New Zealand and the United States Antarctic Programme, and they work through a programme called the Joint Logistics Pool, uh, where between both Antarctic programmes, they pull resources and logistics assets, um, and annually they provide a request to the New Zealand Defence Force for us to support and enhance um, that logistics pool to better enable and support uh, world-class uh, research down in Antarctica. So it would be a bit different than some of the other Defence Force postings? Definitely. Um, the main intent and the main drive for um, the New Zealand Defence Force's support down there is to, to support Antarctica New Zealand and its world-class leading science uh, and its research um, efforts down in Antarctica, um, mainly through the provision of um, those uh, large logistics assets with our Air Force aircraft um, and our personnel, both at Scott Base and at Mudo Station. 
Yeah, logistics. Speaking of logistics, I imagine you need a lot of supplies brought in because there's not going to be a lot of corner stores in Antarctica. No, it's one of the unique environments where if you um, if you need enough little bolt and it's not in the warehouse, uh, you can't just pop around the corner to the uh, the Bunnings. So the logistics pipeline and the logistics process is uh, very well um, controlled and managed by both Antarctic New Zealand and the United States Antarctic Program. And the New Zealand Defence Force aids in providing, um, as I mentioned, aircraft um, to add into this air bridge between Christchurch and Antarctica. Um, but we also support the annual resupply, uh, which is done by ship, which arrives into McMurdo once a year. Um, and our team, um, with a team of Sevadors, unload the container ship. Uh, we provide drivers, which then move the containers up into the McMurdo station and to Scott Base. And we have um, supply technicians, which then unload and devan all the containers prior to them being reloaded as return cargo back to New Zealand. The majority of staff take, take the opportunity to get out and about around Ross Island where they're based um, and they get to see some amazing sights and scenes um, and learn a lot about the history of Antarctica and uh, the expeditions that have gone many, many years prior to them. Get out and about? How, how do they do that? Because I'm imagining it's not warm. Um, the temperatures range, so um, in the early part of the season, the temperatures from about minus 37 um, through to the middle of um, January can get anywhere up to about minus 2, minus 3. Um, and in, in perspective, it, it does seem fairly cold, but the equipment that's provided through the Antarctic programs is, uh, is state-of-the-art and, and ensures that our team remain warm and comfortable at all times. Um, but there's a variety of walking tracks um, and recreational activities that the team can do around Scott Base and McMurdo Station, um, just to maintain a bit of morale and uh, welfare support for the team. Jim Gilmore again. What we're very successful in doing is identifying where it's most appropriate to enter into partnerships rather than donor-recipient relationships. The reason I bring that up, and um, and, I, and I do a little bit of work when we talk about these kind of things, um, is, is it's so important um, when trying to uh, uh, collectively engineer a better situation for those that we would seek to help is to have those that we're helping fully feel like they're part of a partnership rather than some kind of gradient where they're being lectured to. And not everyone at my workforce agrees with me, but it's the the line I'm taking because it resonates. When people are sent over there, do they normally know how long they're going to be there for and when they will be able to tell the family they'll be back? I've been involved um, uh, with my Navy background, um, being at sea when you've got a preset time that you'll be returning to home, um, and sometimes plans change. And it's so important that when and if they do, that the people uh, that this affects uh, the most are informed straight away. I found it when uh, when leading any kind of people, particularly if they've uh, if they're engaged in hard or arduous work. Um, I know it's a lot easier to engage in that kind of activity if you know when it's going to finish. But sometimes deployment means spending Christmas away from the family. So what does a Defence Force Christmas in the Sinai Peninsula look like? We've um, got a couple of plans. The RSA are sending us some welfare parcels out. So um, uh, we're organising um, a secret Santa on Christmas morning and opening our welfare boxes. Um, because we're on the sea, um, we're organising um, a trip out on a boat for the day. So um, we'll be able to be, um, they won't be able to be with their family members, but they'll be able to be with their um, new family that they have out here. And then on Boxing Day, 
We are reenacting the Boxing Day test and we have a cricket game against our Australian friends. That's The Detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. This episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. Kakita Anno. Thank you.